We are in Genesis chapter 2. We have finished Genesis chapter 1. And we will finish Genesis chapter 2 tonight. We actually uh, do a little bit here like we do in the book of Revelation. Remember the book of Revelation would loop back a little bit? We're looping back a little bit here in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 loops back onto some of the things that he's already covered in Genesis chapter 1. We haven't started into a new thing. But uh, at the end of chapter 1, we see that the at the end of the sixth day, and all things were created. But now we're going into the creation of the animals and the creation of man and woman. So obviously we are looping back. God did not finish His labors on the seventh day. God finished His labors on the sixth day. The seventh day was for rest. And we'll get into what that seventh day rest was for as we get into chapter 2 here. <clears throat> Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done. Actually, the Septuagint and a few other translations say the sixth day. Because that's actually the day he, he finished it. We saw before that the last thing He created was on the sixth day. And once that last thing was done, not created, but once He uh, finished the reworking, the remodeling project that He was working on, it says the sixth day, the morning and evening was the sixth day. So that's the end of the sixth day. So that's when he ended all his work. The seventh day he had no work scheduled. So it says he rested. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, we'll talk a little bit about this. This is the part of the, 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 the Sabbath. Everyone likes to have a Sabbath. This is the day of rest. And we all like to pull this out. I don't work today. Today is the Sabbath. That today is my Sabbath. I don't work today. But unfortunately, that is not what this is talking about. Sometimes we think that the Sabbath is made for absolutely no effort at all. Just sit around and, and do nothing. That's not what God did on the seventh day. And it's not what you were to do on the seventh day either. There is a particular purpose in it that is to be uh, different from the first six days. And this is the part that is to be sanctified. Now, the Pharisees got so hung up on the fact that there should be no effort that they made all these laws to help people keep the Sabbath. You know, you couldn't walk so far unless, you, of course, you had a meal. And so they would go around the day before and prepare different meals at different places that they had to get a distance so they could walk. As long as you're going to a meal, then it was okay. So they had all kinds of, of, of rules. I think it was harder to understand the rules than it was just to uh, obey the Sabbath the way it was, it was done. But that's what they had, had put together. And a lot of times we have it in our own minds well, it's it's Sunday. I shouldn't I shouldn't work. And then people who are in healthcare fields, well, I don't want to work on Sunday. I think that's against God, and and so forth. And that's not really what the the whole thing here is getting at. So they, if you have a, you're in the healthcare field and they have you scheduled to work on a Sunday, you don't have to feel like you're disobeying God to go in there and to and to do that. But there's a particular purpose. We want to get you into the purpose of what He had done here, and not into the legalities of it. So six days. Now, what is the purpose of this week, so-called week of creation? The purpose of this is to put the earth back into its operational mode. Redo all the laws that were in operation before and bring it back into its state of perfect creation. That is the goal. So, in attaining that goal, he spends six days on it. On the seventh day, he does not spend anything upon the purpose. He stays completely off of it. But God is not inactive on the seventh day. Now, some people have related the six days of creation to the six to uh, each day being a thousand years. 
and uh, and so forth and so the day seventh day of rest would be be so long and I don't want to get into all those all those kind of things but is God resting now? No, but God's not resting any more now than He was then. He's just not creating anymore upon the earth. What he, He's doing is He's watching over. And on the seventh day, He watched over the thing He just created. He was watching over it. He was not working on it anymore. The work was done. He's in there watching over it. It's like if you had a remodeling project in your home and you spent six days on it. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a remodeling project you could do in your home that only took six days? Glory to God. <laughs> but let's just say, just to use your imagination, you have a six-day remodeling project. And on the end of that day, whatever it is that you remodeled, the seventh day, you sat back and just enjoyed what you just remodeled. That would be the Sabbath. It's not extending something else in there. Let's work on it a little bit more on the seventh day. It's step on back there and enjoy it. And so that's what you can do. Just sit on step and back and enjoy it. Six days, put it this way, six days thou shalt produce, the seventh day thou shalt not produce. And this, the same pattern is carried out in the, in the soil. The um, people of Israel were supposed to have six years that they would sow an area of, of, of their land. And on the seventh year, they were to give it a Sabbath. Now, did that area of land not produce anything? It produced, it produced, but not for them. Whatever seeds were there grew. They were not to till it, do anything to it. And the poor and the uh, homeless and so forth could come on over to those fields and they could glean off of those fields and take whatever grew wild. But they were not to work it. But that didn't mean that stuff didn't grow. There was stuff to grow in it, but they were not to produce from it. They were not to go out there and get it. And they did this for a very short period of time. I think maybe once. <laughs> it wasn't long that they did this. If you count up all the years that God said, all right, for all these years you missed the Sabbath, and you count all that up and you do the math, you're going to find out it wasn't very long they held the Sabbath for the land. Because greed got in, and what they said was, why are we having a whole year of not producing? We can produce on the seventh and get more. But God had said, if you will not have the land produce on the seventh year, I'll make sure that the sixth year is so fruitful you won't have to. But here's the problem. You had a productive year, productive year, productive year, productive year. You got up to the sixth year, super productive year. And now you just had a super productive year. And now you're going to have, you're not going to do anything. Your own mind begins to work on you. Put it to you this way. Say you were one who played the stock market. And you played on day one and got a 20% yield. You played on day two and got a 10% yield. And day three and got a 10% yield. And day four and got a 15% yield. And day five and got a 10% yield. And day six, you got a 50% yield. What do you want to do on day seven? I mean, I'm hot now. <laughs> Something happened. It's good now. Let's get in on this while it's good. We can't let this land sit here. Look at how much we just produced last year. We've got to produce it again. And so then they did it again. But God said, if you obey me, this is what will happen. So this is what we have to do. It's not that you have to be totally inactive a day out of the week. It's not what he's asking you for. What he's asking you for is the things that you do to produce, put it aside. And that's what we need to, to work on. To make sure that one day we just don't work to produce. You can still go out there and help somebody and move some things and do some stuff and and uh, serve folks. That's all fine. You can do that.
but just don't have a day that you produce. Just like the land, it can yield stuff and it can be a benefit to some people, but not a benefit to the owners in a production phase. So that's where we take the, the pattern from. So don't get hung up on the Sabbath. Don't get hung up on the idea that, uh, well, if I need to work as a nurse or a doctor or something like that, I just can't do that on a Sunday. They'll just have to die. That's not just, that's just not the way it is. Now, some things just aren't, aren't important. You know, when I, most of the jobs I had, uh, I would tell them I don't work on Sundays. And I was able to do that. I didn't work in any life critical, uh, places to do that. You know, the most critical thing I think I worked on was, you know, delivering horseradish and pizzas and stuff like that. I mean, nothing, this, no one's gonna die if you don't get it out there to them. They may feel like they're going to die if they don't get their pizza, but they're going to be okay. <laughs> they're going to make it through. So generally, I would always tell them, I don't work on, on Sunday. When I went into Ken's Pizza, I told them I don't work on Sundays. And they, they, they kind of hem and hauled about that, but I said, you can have Friday, you can have Saturday. I said, you got to give me one day on the weekend, just give it to me on Sunday. And so Sundays, I didn't work for, for Ken's Pizzas, but I worked hard for them on Friday, and I worked hard for them on Sunday, Saturday. And they got those those couple of days out of it. I worked the weekend for them. I didn't work on Sunday. Sunday went to church. Now, that didn't mean they didn't call me. Because they did call me. Because generally, if they called me, I could come in. I didn't live very far from them. And, you know, they called me. It's good to be a productive employee and that your boss wants to call you in. You know, there might be some employees that work where you are and they don't want to call them in. I don't want to be one of those employees. I want to be one that they say, let's let's call in so-and-so. I'd rather be one of those kind. So they call me on Sunday, but I would just call them into the fact, what day is it? It's Sunday. Yes, it is. Thank you for not calling me on Sunday. Now, if I give in on that one time, guess what they do the next time? Sure. Well, you did it last time. That's all you got to do is give in one time. So all you got to say is, you know, I'm not the manager. It's not my ultimate responsibility. It's someone else's. It's Sunday. I'm not scheduled, and I stayed home, so I didn't help them out. On eventually, they got the message and didn't call on Sunday anymore. But you got to understand, you may tell people I don't work on Sunday or whatever, and they're going to try and push that. Now, that just worked out to be a good day for me to to stay away from it and and to to not get it. And, but I'm not saying that you had to do that. That was just my day to to stay out of all that all that sort of thing. But just understand the purpose of the Sabbath. As long as you understand the purpose of the Sabbath, then you can. You can fall in line with that. Well, this is the history of the heavens and the earth. Verse 4. When they were created in the day that God made the earth and the heavens. Verse 4 is kind of a funny verse here. Spend a little bit of time. Oh, we didn't fill out all those, those blanks. Did you get them? I kind of said most of them, but he rested on the Sabbath. Not that he was tired. You probably didn't get that one, but God wasn't tired. That's why he rested on the Sabbath. And he didn't, doesn't necessarily need us to rest on the Sabbath because we're tired. And not that he did nothing. He ended his, his restoration and began his watching. How many times do we have in the Word of God that says God watches? So our Sabbath, our Sabbath should be as his was. Not a rest from anything of effort, but a cessation of the pursuit of production. So that's what we need to, to make sure that we can do. Get on out there and serve people. You, never, you don't have to ever take a Sabbath from serving people. You can always serve people. The heavens and the earth. Verse 4. Now it says here, and I want to call your attention to two, the two words. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were, what? Created. created. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were 
created. It uses the word bara to bring into being out of nothing. But in the very same verse, he says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, you can just read over that verse and just skip by what it's saying real easy. But it's what he said, I mean, this is really worded well. Let me read it to you again. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. What's the order? In the beginning, God created the and the earth. When they were created. That's referring back to that point, period of time. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, the word there for made is not the word for create. It is now the word asa, to make out of something. So at first we made the heavens and the earth to create out of nothing. Now he's saying we're talking about in the day that God made the earth and the heavens. So what he's referring to here is first off, the heavens and the earth were created in that order. The heavens and the earth. But then when the remodeling project came in, it was the earth and the heavens in relation to the earth. And he made the earth out of something. The earth was here. He just remodeled it. He just redid it. Put it back into the way it was before. So that's what that verse is saying. But it's really easy to skip over that, isn't it? But the words are different in the Hebrew. Before any plant, verse 5, before any plant of the field was in the earth, before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had caused it to, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, this rising mist, two ways that you can look at this. The one way is that this rising mist continued until the firmament was destroyed. When was the firmament destroyed? And the flood. But the other way to look at this is that the rising mist is what was spoken about before. Remember we talked about the first three days of creation? The firmament was created and then God caused the water to dry up, to, to rise up into the firmament so that the water level on the earth began to go down and that the earth was exposed that the sun that was allowed to come through heated up the water and caused there to be evaporation. Basically a mist. And this mist went up into the firmament. That what this is very likely talking about is the mist that came up from the flooded earth into the firmament to expose the ground. However, we have assumed, many have assumed, but it cannot always be assumed or we cannot just say that because this mist was rising that this is the way that God always watered the earth until Noah. It is possible. But it is also possible that once the firmament was full that rain once again began. It is possible that it rained in Noah's day and prior. It is possible. I can't tell you exactly that it did differently. But it is possible because of the way that this is worded here. So it may not mean no rain until Noah. It may be. But it may not mean that. It doesn't have to mean that. So you have to, you have to be real careful that you know these things, what the Bible actually says, because sometimes we go to people that are scientists 
And they say, oh, it wasn't that way. And they may have certain proof on a certain thing. And just understand, it may mean it that way. And it may not. It may mean the moving of the water into the firmament is what it may be. Because once again, we're looping back. We're looping back into what we already talked about. We're giving a little more detail here. And the rising mist just may be when the firmament was filled. Because how else are you going to fill from the water to the firmament? Except out of a rising mist. And so initially, this is how the, the earth was watered. But then once the mist had, had uh, supplied the firmament with all the water that was needed, and the mist kept on going up because of evaporation, probably at some point, rain would have to come down. And so there may have been a time that the earth was watered with rain. Now, again, I'm not telling you definitely. You don't have to throw out all that stuff you ever heard about Noah's flood and all that thing. And I'm not telling you definitely. I'm just saying it is a possibility, okay? If you don't like that possibility, you can just throw it out because it really doesn't make any difference. You're still saved. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The breath that God breathed is not the soul of man. The breath that he breathed gave life to his body. He already was, the life that he has is in his spirit, not in his soul. The life that man has is in his spirit. Because when your body ceases to exist, do you die? No, you still are alive because your spirit still goes on. Your spirit, man, will always be in existence. The original purpose was that your physical body would also always be in existence. But when Adam fell, that brought that body into a place of, of um, needing repair. That's why God said we cannot let this body eat of the tree of life. Because if it eats of the tree of life, it will live forever and therefore can never be fixed. Your spirit would forever be locked to this mortal body, this, this body that has now come under sin. And he had to make sure that that wouldn't happen. So in order to make sure that didn't happen, he had to let you die. So that's why he was, uh, the tree of life was barred from them because if he had done so, then their end would have been even worse. So your spirit will live for and forever. Even unsaved people, folks, they live forever. They live forever. We all live forever. You don't get born again, now you live forever. No, you live forever whether you're born again or not. It's just where you will live that's in question. You can either live in an eternal state of death and hell and pain and suffering, or you can live in an eternal state of life. Which would you prefer? So the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So when he breathed into his nostrils and his body became a breathing instrument. That breath is what caused all three things to stay together. Because what happens when your body stops breathing? Eventually, your spirit says, let's get out of here. And the spirit leaves. But, but as long as you're breathing, the spirit stays. That's a good thing. But what was man made from? The dust of the ground. That's where we're made from. Verse 8, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. We've talked about this uh, back in the Revelation series. Right towards the end, we spent a whole time, uh, one whole thing on the Garden of Eden. Where it was, its location. Remember that night? Many of you were here. We had the slides up. We showed you the two rivers 
that are still in existence and the two dead rivers and where they probably are from satellite images and, and such things as that. They were able to find some of these things. We also spent some time on the fact that during the days of Peleg, what big event happened? A little crash course review here. Because in the days of Peleg, the earth was separated, divided. It was a huge event. During the days of Peleg, it mentions it two times in the Bible with his name. His name was talking about the vision. So during his days, the earth was divided. Up until then, Eden was one large region that more than likely encompassed a good part, if not all, of Africa. The Middle East, who knows how much of other stuff that, you know, the Mediterranean area and, and so forth. But Africa was definitely involved, as was Palestine in the Middle East area. But eastward in the region known as Eden, there was a garden. The garden is not Eden. The garden is in Eden. It is just like here. Pennsylvania is not the United States. But Pennsylvania is in the United States. It is a part of the United States. It just happens to be in the eastward part of the United States. But it's not the United States. Just as the garden is not Eden. Eden had a garden. And the garden is where God put man. In the eastward part. So don't forget that part. Eden is a very large region. Probably one large continent. That during the days of Peleg, that continent was divided. There was something very major that occurred as far as earth movement was concerned. And it caused a division. And that division caused two of those rivers that fed the Garden of uh, fed Eden to disappear. And we went over some of that when we went over the, the part of Eden and so forth. So we're not going to go over all that again. But as we traced it on back, it looks very much like Eden was in the area, if not completely certainly in the area of Palestine. That certainly would be the... And we, we showed you again where the maps were and how the four rivers were. Well, that would make sense because God has certainly based everything out of that area, hasn't He? He hasn't based it out of Babylon. He hasn't based it out of uh, Iraq or Iran or, or uh, Africa or any other places out there. He's based it all out of Palestine, that, the Palestinian area. And it would seem that He did so as well as with the Garden of, of Eden. Because even when the, uh, Can the Canaanites had that region, what, what was the production like in that area? I mean, they had to bring grapes out on poles. And the land flowing with milk and honey. Apparently, this was a very rich land. That would seem to be a des description of... Uh, if you're going to have the remnants of the Garden of Eden, I think that's something that you would have there. So anyway... We can find out more about that later on, but more than likely, that's where the garden was. It was an eastward part of that, which means that more of Eden went west. So if you go more west from Palestine, you come into the region of the Mediterranean, the, the uh, areas of Africa and such like that. So that's all where Eden uh, took place with. And we know that some kind of a great event occurred in that area that caused some of the um, uh, peninsulas to rise up and some of the... Uh, openings that had gone on there. There are scars that are left from that. Anyway, we need to get back into this. 
The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the garden the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So you really can't stay away from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil if the tree of life is there. They're both in the midst of the garden. So one you're supposed to have, one you're not supposed to have, but you weren't necessarily supposed to stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You just weren't supposed to eat of it. Now, we don't know that they were right next to each other, but they were close to each other. But up until then, they had not partaken of the tree of life, though they decided to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil first. That's kind of odd. But out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Where was man made? Out of the dust of the ground. Where were the trees made? Out of the ground. Every tree grown that is pleasant to to sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishan. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And we went over all the... Well, we'll read them again here. And the gold of that land is good. I think any gold is good. How about you? I haven't run into a bad piece of gold yet. I like it all. <laughs> and the gold of that land is good. Bedelium, onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekah. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. And of course, those two are the only ones that we do find today. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now some have assumed, in verse verse 8, go back to that, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant. Because they talk about man being put in the garden and then God causing the trees to grow and so forth, some have assumed that man was made before the plants. But, was not given life until afterwards. I don't know that that's true or not true. Uh, and whether the, you know, it's necessary phrased that way. But certainly you cannot deny that uh, you could see that some people could come up with that idea. But I don't really spend a whole lot of time on it. Until he was given life, is there really anything there? It's just uh, if God made the body ahead of time, that's, that's fine. If he didn't, then that's fine too. But anyway, if you ever hear anybody talk about that, that's part of the reason that's where they, they bring that from. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. This is the purpose of it. We have a perfect garden in a perfect world and God says you must tend and keep. Tend is the word to cultivate. Keep is the word to guard, protect. This is what He is to do. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. Every tree. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Well, that's pretty clear. And he gave this commandment to who? To Adam. Adam is made from? The trees were made from? So far everything is made from? The ground. Except the ground was made from probably nothing. God made the ground. Now the word here, form... When God made man, it actually is the word God formed man. And the word there for formed is the word, the Hebrew word yatsar, to mold or squeeze into shape, much like a potter would do with clay. 
So I think a potter and clay example is good because clay comes from the ground. <laughs> and you just take that and you're, just, you're taking ground and you're just molding it into a different shape. That's all, that you, that's all you're doing. That's the word that God uses when He talks about making man. He formed him from the dust of the ground. The dust is the word afar means mud. So if you're wondering that you know earth might be figurative or anything like that, the word means mud, dirt. As we said, Eden is a large Eden and the garden is in the east of that region. We already went over man's purpose. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper compatible or comparable to him. Out of the out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he wouldn't call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now, do not think for a moment. Do not even entertain the thought that God brought a giraffe to Adam and said, What do you think? I don't think that'll work. All right, we'll go back and get another. And then God went and brought a bull. What do you think? Nah, that's not quite right. All right, let me try again. And God brought a bird, an eagle. He said, what do you think? God did not do that. God made the animals to be the animals because every kind is to produce after its own kind. So man was, Adam was never to find a helper among the animals. He was only to name them. Now, I'm told from some people who study this better than I do and know Hebrew better than I do and some of this stuff better than I do. I am told from some that it's not that he just was brought a cat and said, this is a cat. This is a dog. This is an eagle. He didn't do that. It actually, I'm told, I don't know how they figure this, out, this stuff out, but I'll just tell you, I'll just pass on what I was told. That he did not just name them, he classified them. He classified them into to uh, uh, families and and uh, and and uh, what do they call it? The, the things about families. I can't think of it now. Genius and all that sort of stuff. He actually he didn't just give them cat and dog. He gave them big long names that associated them with who they belonged to. That these were all cats and these were all dogs and these were all birds and this is the type of a bird. And then he had the brains to figure out all that was in the cat family, even if it doesn't look like it's in the cat family. All that's in the dog family if it didn't look like it was in the dog family. All that was in the reptile family. All that was in the mammal family. He figured all this out, classified it all. He didn't just go up there and say, let's call that a cat. He didn't, he figured the whole system out and put that whole, and put that whole thing in operation, which will show you some of the smarts that the guy had. And we were talking about this a little bit last week at the end of the, the service. You know, Einstein said he uses 10% of his brain. 10%. Most of us aren't even on the map. I'm often think of what Brother Hagin would tell us. Uh, I didn't hear him say this. Brother Doug Jones is the one who would tell. He told us in class that he would sit there and, and he and Mark Brzee, uh, they would listen to him and Brother Hagin would say, in the, in the area, he was talking about the Ezekiel and the river that couldn't be crossed. And he said, in the area of the Spirit, it's like a river. He said, in, the, in the, the, the area of the Spirit, he said, all I'm doing is wading ankle deep. 
And, and Doug and, and Mark would look at each other and they shook their heads and says, Dear Lord, if he's wading ankle deep, where's the beach? <laughs> so if Einstein, with all the understanding he had, said, I can only, I'm only using 10% of my brain's capacity. I mean, where are we? Oh, he understood things and did things and thought things and figured things out like it was second nature to him. I know he, they said he couldn't remember his phone number. But really, how important is that? I mean, to, to, to think of. Have you ever done any study on the theory of relativity? To come up with. I mean, it's one thing to study it and, and understand it. But no one taught him that. He had to formulate those thoughts in his mind about all this stuff. And it took them until they sent somebody out in outer space. That's one of the first things they took up when they launched one of the astronauts was to test his relativity, relativity theory and found out it looks like it's so. And this guy just figures it out in his head. And he's using 10%. Adam probably, more than likely, used 100%. I'm sure God didn't give him something he wasn't expecting him to use. Now, we've got sin in the way and all that sort of stuff and corruption has crept in and so, you know, we don't use it all. Some people don't even know where it is. We, we, you've met people like that. They're just they're not using any brain capacity. Hmm. Work in the news media, places like that. <laughs> so God was not bringing all these things for him to find a compatible helpmate. God knew what He needed to be a compatible helpmate. And He knew it was not going to be a cow. As good a friend as the dog is to mankind, not going to be it. He knew that. But he's, uh, as, as uh, one person was telling me, you know, God had him do the work first. And then He brought the compatible helpmate. So He got the work done first, got all the classification done, got all the putting the animals in order and such things, and then he brings along the helpmate. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. I bet he did. <laughs> and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Now, there's a whole lot of... You can find all kinds of stuff written on this word ribs. But it does not mean a rib. I don't know why it's translated rib. It does not mean a rib. If you go and you count the skeletons of a man and a woman, man does not have one less rib... I've heard people say that, but <laughs> well, as far as I know, we all have the same number of ribs. We're not missing a rib. He took a cavern. He took a section. He took a part of man out. And this is what he used. He did not tell you, woman, you are not formed from a rib. He took something very deep out of the man in which he needed the man to be deeply asleep and took this cavern, this part out. Now remember, Adam was made... We went over this last week. Adam was made in the image of God. But male and female, he created them. He was made in the image of God. But male and female, he created them. It's talking about when Adam was first made, that he was made in the image of God, complete. That after this... He never would be again. That a part of the God, that uh, the part of the image of God that Adam was creating was removed and used as the building blocks to make the woman. So man is not more like 
in the image of God than a woman is. There was some, I don't know what part it was. He was creating the image of God, so we can't say, you know, the woman was the bad part <laughs> and the man was the good part. We can't say that because there is no bad part in God. Now, men and women are very different. And when a woman goes bad, they generally go bad in the same way. The same way when a man goes bad, they generally go bad in the same way. We talked about this a long time ago. How many of y'all remember that? When a man goes bad and gives over to his flesh side, he can get very violent, very selfish, very crude. That's generally where the man gets. When he completely releases from going from following after God and going the way of, of sin. A woman does not go that way though, does she? Generally. There's always exceptions. I understand there's always exceptions. But a woman follows after her flesh nature. That's not the way they usually go. They usually get, I guess the word we use in our society is very catty. Uh, very cutting. Very uh, vindictive is, is another one. Ones that will hold a grudge. Do guys hold grudges? Not generally. Generally, whatever a guy has is over today. Tomorrow's a new day. What, something happened yesterday? What, what, what went on? <laughs> Did I mad at you? Oh, I forgot. All right, well, you still want to be mad or what do you want to do? <laughs> I mean, that's just generally the way that it is. We just don't... Uh, you, can, you can hold a grudge and you can still remember that you were mad the other day, but it just... Guys just... You know, if, if you duke it out, you know, guys go out there and they duke it out, the next day they're, they're fine. It's all right. But not so with the women. Women, generally, when they get upset with one another, stay upset for long periods of time. Very long periods of time. Now, we're not talking about you. You all are saved and have fallen after your new nature. We're talking about women who follow after their old nature. They can become very much in, in, in the area of, of um, undermining. Guys are not as much into undermining. They can. Understand they can. But when a woman goes after her flesh nature, she can very much get into that and use everything that she has to pull anyone down. I showed, I tell you before, I've had my son, we would sit there in the mall and we would watch people. And I would watch some of the women. And I'd say, you see what they're doing? They're using what they have to pull this guy down. I said, don't you ever let a woman do that to you. Understand, if a woman is flashing her eyelashes at you and saying all kinds of nice stuff, probably doesn't have good intentions. Assume the worst. Is what I would tell him. If a woman comes along. Because generally a good natured woman following after the character of God does not come out that way. Right? You all don't. We're talking about women who go after the, the flesh. Men who go after the flesh can get very violent. This is the way you solve things. This is the way you, you do things. They can get uh, crude. Nasty. Yeah, I mean it's just. And, and guys that are following after God, they don't. Why do, why do you do that? Why do you go after that thing? See, there are, there are tendencies that both man and woman can follow when they go after the flesh, but they're different. Now, you get a man and a woman both going after the flesh married together. Dear Lord. Oh, how do they survive? <laughs> I don't know. But fortunately, we're not talking unsaved people here. You know, it's, you all are saved and you know how to overcome those things. Those, those traits are still there for you and they, you can still follow after them. Just don't. You don't need to follow after that kind of stuff. You can, you can certainly lo lord over those things. 
But let's take a look at some of the things that God did with the, with the woman. Where do we leave off at? Verse 21. Then the rib, or whatever it was, just understand, he, it put rib in here, whatever it was, whatever he took out of the man. We don't have to figure out what it was because God took it out. God knew how man was made. He knew all the parts better than we do. And whatever it was he took out, he formed the woman out of it. And the woman which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. Now the word there for maid, you can just read over and just think it's just like all the other word for maids that it is, but it's not. This word is not asah, which has been the word we use when we see maid before up until now. It's been the word asah, to make out of something. Wouldn't you assume that would be the word that would be used here? Because we are making something out of something. But this is not the word that is used. This is the word bona. Bona. Pronounced B-A-W-N-A-W. Even though it's, you know, I wrote it for you in there the way it is, but this means to build, built, or skillfully formed. My pastor, when he would tell us about this, said this is a very accurate word. And we still use this phrase when we describe women today. <laughs> Isn't that right? So if you hear somebody going, oh, boy, she's built, you can say, glory to God. <laughs> Skillfully too, yes. <laughs> Skillfully. <laughs> this, this is the word, this is the only time we have this used in the creation event. That the woman was skillfully built by God from whatever it was he took out of the man. The trees of the field were built where it came from. Man came from. Uh, animals. The birds. The woman is the only one created not from dirt. The only one. Everyone else created from dirt. Women's not created from dirt. Eve is not made from dirt. Now people have said a woman is, is you know, once removed from dirt, we're, we're right up there next to it. But the women are right up, or, you know, once removed from dirt. Guys, just a picture this way. You get on a sports field, football, soccer, baseball, and the ball is coming, and the ball is coming right over top of a mud puddle. What do you do? <laughs> Jump, dive for that ball, and slide in the mud and come up coated with mud. And what do you come, do you come up and go, yuck. Oh, what do you come up? Yes. <laughs> I got it. Mud's dripping all over the place. And when you do that, do you leave the sports field to go get cleaned up? Absolutely not. You wear it like a badge. <laughs> this is good. I got mud all over my face. I got mud all over my my uh, clothes, I got mud in my shoes, I got mud under my fingernails. This was a great day because we have been reunited with the dirt. Oh, this is good. Now, this is not all women. This is not all guys. There are some guys that do not like to be reunited with dirt. I understand that. I don't understand them. I just understand that some guys don't. I love being reunited with dirt. I think it is the greatest thing in the world. I have never yet, not one single time in my entire life, ever told my son who comes out from outside, no matter what we were doing, to wash his hands before we eat. Never one time. 
nor has he ever seen me do it. <laughs> now that may, I don't even, I don't really don't care. I may wash them, I may not. I really don't care. I, I'll eat dirt. It, I mean, I'll put my face in the field catching a ball. I mean, what are you going to do with the dirt? Now you, sw- you swallow some, you spit some out. Who cares? It's dirt. It doesn't bother us. Made sure it didn't bother him too. Now, mom, on the other hand, is not that way. Mom sees a little bit of dirt. We have a problem. This is an issue. Don't you eat this meal with those hands, right? Why? Because you're not made from dirt. You're not really looking for this reunion. <laughs> we like the reunion. And that's why we're, you know, have some of that difference that goes on. Now, there are some, some ladies out there, and I know they like to get dirty as much as the guys do. There are exceptions to all, to all of them, and they'll dive and jump in the mud with everybody else. And that's fine. But as a whole, generally, women do not like being re- reunited with dirt. We generally like to stay away. You know, if the guys want to go over there and play, if we, we say all kinds, girls, you say all kinds of things about them. I can't believe they do that. Why do they do that? I don't understand it. And that's fine. But you see, we're different. But the man was formed, molded out of the dirt. The women were skillfully and carefully built out of something from the man. does not mean that the woman is indebted to the man at all. It means that God took the image that He had put inside of man and took part of that image out and used that is a creative basis for the woman. She is the most unique and different creation on the face of this earth. There is nothing in the animal kingdom or the plant kingdom like the human woman. It is, she is the most unique creature that God has ever made. That's why man, husbands, are supposed to revere the wife because of the time that God spent with the woman. Of course, the women need to revere and respect the husband too. But he's dirt. Don't treat him like dirt. He was dirt. He's not dirt anymore. <laughs> so the, the, the woman was, was bana from the man. The man was molded from the dirt. Very similar to what the animal was. But he had some parts of, of the image of God interwoven with him. The animals didn't have that. So he's not quite on the level with the animals. So when it says here that the husband and wife here at the end will become one flesh, this is what it's speaking about. This one flesh part. Because what was in Adam now resides in women. No longer in man. And so when the two become married, this is uniting of these two qualities, these God qualities, the one that's in the man, the parts that's in the man, the parts that's in the woman, and they bring them together. Now, we go back over here to one more thing. When um, Adam was put into the garden, what was the command that was given to him? Tend and to keep. Protect and cultivate. This is not a command that was given to the women. This is the command that was given to 
Adam. Primary responsibility for protection and cultivation is with the man. That's the primary part. So women, the man goes out there to defend you, stand up for you. He's doing his part. He's doing what God made him to do. He's doing what God called him to do. You let him go ahead there and do it. And don't get in his way. Because that's God's part. But he was to be to be, be over that and to do that sort of thing. We have a lot of times where the, the man and the woman don't understand each other's roles. When the woman steps in and takes on the man's roles, you got problems. And the man steps in and takes over the woman's roles, you got problems too. Man's got his roles, woman's got her roles. Stay with them. Do those, do those things. Let the man keep and protect the garden, so to speak. That's all right. The woman came in to be a helpmeet. She was coming in to be a helper. There are some things that the woman is better equipped to do than a man. Men, step aside. Let the one who is superior do it. Absolutely. Don't, and don't feel inferior. Why in the world would you feel inferior? It's, as, as far as moms are concerned, women, you make much better moms than, than dads do. <laughs> Dad, we're just not good moms. You know, what do we do? You know, I love that commercial with uh, Peyton Manning. It's not on anymore. It was on before. You know, the guy gets hurt by the uh, coffee machine. Machine. He just hollers down, you know, rub some dirt in it. I love that commercial. I that is great job. I said, rub some dirt in it. What else are you going to do? Get up. <laughs> Finish making my coffee. <laughs> my espresso, whatever it was that he was supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's, that's how we do it. You know, my son gets out there in the field and he gets a, gets a problem. You know, rub some dirt in it. That's all there is to it. I've taken my son places. Mom does not. Mom's not here tonight. She's not going to get this tape. <laughs> I've taken my son places. I will not tell her I took took him. I will not tell her the things we encountered. I have many times told him when we get home, mom does not need to know the whole story. And he fully understands. Mom does not need to know the whole story. And you know what? He is such a good secret keeper. He is. I tell you, he takes that from me. I've told him over and over again. I get more pleasure in keeping a secret than ever telling it. Ever. I don't get pleasure out of keeping a secret for 10 years and then finally telling it. I get pleasure out of keeping a secret forever and never telling it. It just never ends with me. I love it. I absolutely love it. This is great. You don't need to know that. You know, somebody, which is good, you know, as a pastor, because people sometimes like to tell you some things. <laughs> You know, you're not supposed to go off and tell them. And it's, it's fine for me. I have no problem. It never, I never get any satisfaction going around and telling people about it. Don't get a thing out of it. I get more out of not telling it. And so I'll tell him, we do not need to say this at home, okay? And he won't. He won't say a word about it. He just keeps it, keeps it hush. <laughs> and some of those things are, are good. But, you know, we've been out in some fields and we've gone through, through some things and faced some dangers and stuff. And, you know, we, we at, at some points, in some of the things we heard, it's every man for himself. You have all you can do to get yourself out of the situation. And I'm just, I just look over. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. All right, good, because I can't really help you right now. We're, you know, we're just, we're both trying to get through this thing. We're just trying to get through it. And he's, he's good enough. He's, he's getting through. He's pushing himself. Now, you see, a mom wouldn't be able to do that. A mom would forsake her own life to get him over there and make sure that the son made it through. That's, that's not, the, not the dad. The dad says, we're both getting through this. 
and you're pulling your own weight. Now get going. <laughs> See, you know, you both pass on different things. And, you, and you, you need to pass on those things. So wives, don't get in the way of your husbands and the things they're going to pass on to their sons. And dads, don't get in the way of the things the moms need to pass on. Because there are some things the moms need to pass on too. Those mom, moms will pass on some things to sons to help them in relationships. Dads will pass on some things to daughters help them in relationships. We both have a role here. It is not God's way that any son or daughter have two daddies. It is not God's way that any son or daughter have two moms. It is God's way that they have a father and a mother. And they have a relationship with each. That is God's way. And it comes from way back in here. They both had different roles. You need to pass both of those roles on. You don't, Dads, you don't pass on the roles to the daughter so that she learns how to do them. You, learn, you let her learn to respect that's the role of the dad. Let the son re- understand that's the role of the mom. This is how you this is how you relate to a mom. This is what you do to a mom. This is how you behave around a mom. These are important things. But very different. Men and women, we are different from our creation. We are different from the way we were formed. We are different from the things that are inside us. It does not make either of us inferior to each other. It makes us both superior in certain areas. But overall, we are equal. There are some things that you women are better equipped to do than we men will ever dream of being able to do. And vice versa. Sometimes women think, well, I have to be superior in all things. Just to show that I'm better than a man. And you don't. Because you won't ever be better than a man in all things. Same way that a, a man won't be better than a woman in all things. We each have our unique unique attributes. God made us uniquely. And enjoy those things. You may not, women, you may never understand us men. That's fine. We already resolved we will never understand you. We have fully resolved that fact. We will never understand. You know, and we come together, we talk about it, guys. Do you understand? No, I don't understand. And we're content with that. We're fine. Huh? We don't sit around trying to figure it out. We're content. Do you understand? No, I don't understand you. All right, let's go on. <laughs> That's it. We just go on. We don't understand. We don't know what's happening. What's going on? I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> we don't understand. And we understand those things that we don't understand. You just, just get out of it. And we can, we can do that. But, uh, but do understand we are unique. Women, you were carefully sculpted and made. Every aspect of you was skillfully built by our Lord. You were not made from dirt. But we were. So we're going to enjoy dirt more than you do. And if you ever try and take the dirt out of the man, you're lessening what God made. Don't ever try and take it. Don't ever try and make the, the, the man as clean and neat as you are. Take the man right out of him. You don't want to do that. You may not understand it and you may not want to get near it. That's all fine. You say, before you get near me, you go get a shower. We men, we can understand that. We understand that perfectly fine. That's all good. But don't tell me never to get dirty again. Because that won't work. That's not going to happen. Just understand. The, the role of dirt in our life. 
And we will understand the lack of dirt in yours. <laughs> the roll of dirt. Father God, we thank you for the things that you told us in your word, how you carefully, skillfully built the woman from something other than dirt. But how, Father, you formed us from the dust of the ground, each for a purpose. You knew that the man is the one who would be tilling and guarding and protecting the ground. And we needed to be a little closer to it. Father, I help, pray that you help us to respect and honor the role that each has to not usurp the other's role, to not degrade the other's role, but to always respect it. That men would always have the respect they should for women and women the respect they should for men. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.